Thank you all for coming um, to the talk this morning. And thank you to Galen Roshi for inviting me to give this talk. Um, it's an honor. I heard that Gail introduced me, so I won't introduce myself again. Uh, though I will say I want to um, express my thanks to the Sangha for the very warm welcome that I've received during my visit this time and during my previous visit, which was my first visit last fall. It's been a joy to practice with you and get to know some of you. Thank you. Also, I want to acknowledge that today's Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all of our fathers, um, living or having passed over, and to all of the fathers in the room, any of the fathers who may be in the room. I think there's at least one sitting near me. <laughs> this morning, I'd like to talk with you about intimate practice and total inclusion. And uh, talk a little bit about how this relates to karmic consciousness, which is the uh, theme, so to speak, of the practice period here. There is an expression in the Soto Zen school that's had a very um, deep impression on me, had a very deep impression on me the first time that I heard it, and it's been near to my heart and guiding me ever since. It's been suggested that this expression could be considered um, the defining character of the school of Soto Zen Buddhism. In Japanese, the expression is menmitsu no kafu. There may be a couple of people in the room who've heard it before. When I first heard it translated, and um, ever since most frequently I've heard it translated as Careful attention to detail is the wind of the family house. Later, I learned that menmitsu can be translated and perhaps more accurately as intimacy with things. And so today I'll be talking about it in a way that combines these two translations. Careful intimacy with things is the feeling of the family way. I'm substituting the word feeling for wind this morning because we, you know, we feel wind, we experience wind through the sense of touch. Um, although there is evidence of the wind that we can uh, perceive visually through the way the trees and the grasses and other objects are moving in its midst, we know if it is a gentle breeze or a strong wind. I won't be focusing so much on seeing uh, this morning, although all of the senses are instrumental in practicing this way. In a talk that uh, Suzuki Roshi gave many years ago, he also referred to this family way as a gentle way. And he, however, was uh, quick to say, that this gentle way does not lack strictness. So it's both a gentle way and a diligent way that attends to everything, uh, attends to everything as it appears in karmic consciousness, um, but also as it is in reality, uh, which in this case I mean not separate 
So this teaching accommodates what in the, in the Zen school we often refer to as the two truths, the relative dualistic conventional reality and the ultimate, the non-dual. As I was preparing for this talk, it, uh, a koan came to my mind. Koan is a kind of terse, a dense uh, Zen teaching story. And this one is called The World Honored One Points to the Ground. And the story goes that the World Honored One, or the World Honored One is a name or a um, superlative for the Buddha. Uh, the Buddha was out walking with the congregation when he stopped and pointed to the ground in front of him and said, this is a good place to build a sanctuary. And then Indra, who either appeared out of nowhere or was walking with the congregation, came forward and plucked a blade of grass and planted it back in the soil and said, the sanctuary is built. And the Buddha smiled. That's the story. Consider Indra, the emperor of all gods, the god of all gods, could have done anything, could have manifested an extraordinary monastery, you know, uh, beyond anything that most of us could perhaps conceive of. So there is no place on the ground to spit, as the saying goes. In other words, there's no unworthy or insignificant place or object. Nothing unworthy of our wholehearted practice in meeting it, whatever it is. To help further um, reveal the relationship between the practice of intimacy and karmic consciousness, I'd like to share some of Suzuki Roshi's teachings this morning. The first uh, excerpt is from a talk that he gave titled Respect for Things, which can be found in uh, the collection of his talks, Not Always So. Um, mind you, all of these talks were titled after he gave them um, in the making of the book. And in this talk, he tells the story of an experience he had earlier that, smor that morning while sitting uh, with the Sangha in the Zendo. He said that he heard the chairs in the dining room above being slid across the floor. And he says, this is not how to treat chairs. Um, and went on to say that um, not only because of the disturbance that it creates in the Zendo below, but because this is not a respectful way to treat things. So he says, to push the chair across the floor is very convenient, but it will give us a lazy feeling. Of course, this kind of laziness is part of our culture and it eventually causes us to fight with each other instead of respecting things. We want to use them for ourselves. And if it is difficult to use them, we want to conquer them. This kind of idea does not accord with the spirit of practice. In another talk that he gave, titled Changing Our Karma in the same collection, he says, you become very serious when you have a big problem without realizing that you are always creating problems. With a smaller problem, you think, oh, this is no trouble, I can manage it quite easily. You may think this without even knowing how you will cope with that problem. 
He goes on to use a rather graphic example of animals in nature, which I hope won't be upsetting to anyone in the context of the Dharma talk. I hope that you will hear its meaning and its relevance to this talk. He says, the other day, Tatsugami Roshi said, a tiger catches a mouse with its whole strength. A tiger does not ignore or slight any small animal. The way he catches a mouse and the way he catches and devours a cow are the same. But usually, although you have many problems, you think they are minor. So you don't think it is necessary to assert yourself. That is the way many countries treat their international problems. Ah, this is a minor problem. As long as we do not violate international treaties, it will be okay. As long as we do not use atomic weapons, we can fight. But that kind of fight eventually will result in a big fight. So even though many of the problems you have in your everyday life are small, unless you know how to relate to them, you will have big difficulties. This is the law of karma. <clears throat> so Minmitsu no Kafu, a kind of careful attention and intimacy with all things as the feeling of our family way, uh, includes the full range of our daily lives, which are mostly, uh, consist mostly of apparently small encounters and apparently insignificant objects. For instance, when we go into the kitchen and turn on the faucet to fill a cup of water, we lift the cup as we drink the water and put the cup back down on the counter. How we handle doors as we enter or leave a room, whether gently with attention and care or with no regard, you know, slamming the door, um, often without even noticing that we've done so because our bodies are in one place and our minds are somewhere, somewhere else. And naturally this habit energy extends in, throughout our day in the way we greet others. Many people who we think we don't know and exist simply to serve us, the cashier, the person who delivers our mail. And then in that habit, energy may continue the way we greet our colleagues and the way we interact with our familiars, kind of taking them for granted as, as we tend to do. When we treat a cup or a door or another person, with little regard, with disregard for its true value. Uh, we've in fact diminished the significance of, of our own existence in that count, encounter, in that moment, even though we may not think so, because we may, we may even think we're superior to that object or that being, and that's kind of why we don't fully acknowledge them. Uh, but even so, we have dismissed our own opportunity to wake up in that moment, right in the middle of our everyday quotidian sanctuary. So just to reiterate the, the presence and the quality of the attention with which we meet each thing conditions our karmic consciousness. It creates our habit energy, 
and it cultivates our way of being in the world. This is how we become conditioned beings. When we fully engage in what Dogen called continuous practice, which naturally includes our lapses in attention, we notice more and more. We notice more frequently, we notice more quickly when we've lapsed, when we've disconnected, dissociated, gotten distracted, um, and fallen into some old pattern. When this happens, we may feel some little remorse, like, oh, or regret. But there's no big shame in these small and frequent lapses. The point of this practice is not uh, to become flawless. We will not become flawless. I was thinking at best, we may become wabi-sabi, <laughs> full of beautiful imperfections. And I think our imperfections become beautiful when we treat them with compassion, when we attend to them with diligence. We may say to ourselves or others, oh, I'm sorry, please excuse me. I was thinking this, to think of that moment as kind of the glaze on the going with this metaphor of wabi-sabi, a style of pottery. Uh, it's sort of the, the glaze on the pot after it emerges from the fiery kiln of our practice, that kind of heat in that moment of recognition. Uh, I appreciate the image, the metaphor, but I also want to say, uh, you know, of being cooked, fire practice and being shined up. But in fact, you know, remorse and sincere apology is not some thin veneer. Um, it heals and it builds trust in ourselves and one another and supports us to continue practicing together um, with all things, all beings, small and large, that we actually depend on for our life. It has been my direct experience and also my observation um, that when we don't cultivate this careful attention and intimacy with the small things, as Suzuki Roshi is pointing out, continuously moment after moment, like inhaling and exhaling, you know, not overly self-conscious, but present. When we don't practice this way moment after moment, we tend not to develop the sensitivity the acuity of mind or the capacity to really be fully present and appropriately respond to the large and complex um, circumstances and problems that will arise, that do arise also in our life. Again, I don't. I think it's important to know that careful attention and intimacy with all, with all things is not about becoming a fastidious or a meticulous person. Uh, it's helpful to consider the shadow side this practice, um, or the near enemy, if you will, to careful, intimate attention to detail, which could be a, a tightness, you know, rigidly controlling, uh, possibly hypervigilant, something extreme, which is not the middle way, uh, which is our practice. The middle way. And the Mitsumi no Kafu is not about getting things right, though I think it informs the fact that we do need some uh, agreements, some roles about how we go about living together so that we can live together harmoniously and ethically 
and it helps us to notice when we are um, out of alignment with the way we want to live uh, in relationship to others. Ultimately, Menmitsu no Kafu is a path of awakening to no separate self. You'll know when you're operating in the shadow realm, when you start to feel fear, when your practice seems to be generating a kind of fearfulness in you of making a mistake or being wrong versus cultivating a, a sense of communion. And my understanding of communion is, is intimate sharing, intimate sharing of our life. This is a very experiential path. It's not something, some intellectual understanding, although we need some cognitive understanding of how this all works. It's somatic, it's relational. It supports our practice of zazen, and our practice of zazen supports this practice until it all becomes zazen. When we practice in this way, we are sensitized and we begin to feel and notice much more than we were previously accustomed to feeling and noticing. So allowing this kind of sensitization is tenderizing and that can be scary at times when we're not used to feeling so much and haven't uh, quite differentiated between uh, the tenderness and fear associated with danger based on past experiences. However, uh, as a result of this kind of sensitization of which I'm speaking this morning, I think we actually become better able to differentiate between real situational danger and um, underlying chronic old fear in ourselves um, that we can feel when we start to open wherever we are. So our senses become more enlivened, let's say, through this practice, which is what I mean this morning by sensitization. Um, in my experience, this practice creates what you might call a field of beneficial action. What generates beneficial action? Intimacy with all things. I think intimacy cultivates loving kindness, uh, supports, at the very least, the cultivation of loving kindness, compassion, wisdom, and the feeling of fullness or richness of our lives our everyday lives, which I think gives rise to satisfaction. And uh, being satisfied is deeply easeful and ease is restful. The better able we are to rest, the better able we are to allow um, experience to flow, to respond to others in that flow beneficially. With this practice actually changes our nervous system it changes our hearts, it changes the way we think, and uh, individually and collectively, collectively because we are limbic beings, and so we feel each other, and we become conditioned together in relationship. I'll just take out my watch and see how I'm doing. <coughs> This uh, contemplation of Minmitsu no Kafu has been resonating in me with the line from the loving kindness meditation, 
which we've chanted here a few times um, during this visit. And, and the line is just as mother at the risk of her life watches over and protects her only child, so with a boundless mind should one cherish all living things, suffusing love for the entire world, above, below, and without limit. If we practice in this way a little bit, we begin, we begin to experience it a little bit, notice, and as we practice more, uh, we experience more and so forth increasingly. Um, not to suggest linearity, uh, but there is a development that occurs of awareness, of recognition, understanding. We do need time on the cushion. You want to get this in. <laughs> we need enough consistent sitting enough sasan to develop our capacity to settle, attend to, open to, feel, and stay with ourselves, to learn to sit in a way that includes everything that arises in our karmic consciousness, that arises in our consciousness, that arises in our awareness, which is not the same as our karmic consciousness. So to speak. I don't want to get myself in the weeds here now. <laughs> I see, I feel uh, Tim's ears pricking. <laughs> so to sit in a way um, that allows us to stay, to not run away, without trying to use or conquer, as Suzuki Roshi says, what arises without shutting down. Zazen is an embodiment of the truth of the teachings and at the same time, verification of the teachings. Verification is what Dogen means by what is often translated as practice realization. Realization can also be translated as verification or confirmation. In that moment of practice, we see and it is confirmed. It recently occurred to me while having lunch with the Shiso, which was an honor, um, that practice verification, the, the teaching coming to meet our lives, is like gasho, and we naturally bow in gratitude when this happens. Thank you all very much for your presence and your generous attention.